0: Welcome to Changing the Rules, a weekly podcast about people who are living their best lives and advice on how you can achieve that too. Join us with your lively host, Ray Lowe, better known as the luckiest guy in the world. It's gonna have to be a different man. good morning everybody Uh, my name is ray low i'm your host for this version of changing the rules and i've got a return guest today his name is jim comey uh we've had jim on a while ago but jim just finished uh releasing a brand new book He's a writer, he's an author, uh, he's an interesting guy, and I'm happy to say that he's a friend of mine, and he certainly is one of the most interesting people in the world, and therefore, one of the luckiest people in the world. So with that, Jim, say hi to everybody. Hi everybody, hi Ray, thanks for having me back okay so you're a writer and uh, you've had a varied background in children's theater and education and all kinds of crazy things but we're gonna focus today on the writing okay is that okay yes, and but you got a you got a new book out and why don't you tell us what you can about the new book uh, that won't make people go out we want to make people go out and buy the book how's that that's that, sounds is that good. a good enough. Yeah. Okay, so tell us enough so that we want to
1: do that no more. Gotcha. Well, the brand new book, and it just came out two weeks ago, is called The Wicked Claw. And I write under the name James Hugh, H-U-G-H, Comey. And just a quick aside, the reason I write under James Hugh Comey, and this is slightly because God has a sense of humor. Years ago, I used to pray, please, God, someday put my name on a bestseller. Well, there is a James Comey that's had two bestsellers out there, but that isn't me. That's, I think, a very distant relative of mine named James Comey, who's James Brian Comey. I'm James Hugh Comey, but forgive that aside for a second. So the book is called The Wicked Claw, and you would find it under James Hugh Comey. And it's a very unusual book, and I have to say it's somewhat distinctive because one of the major characters in it is Pope Francis. Now, I'm not sure how many novels have had Pope Francis as a central character, but he is one of the key characters in The Wicked Claw. So where the heck did this idea come from? Some time ago, I came across across a quote, and the quote said, We are the other of the others. And that resonated with me, and I tucked it away inside my head. And around the same time that I came across that quote, In the area of suburban Philadelphia where I lived a big event was coming and that was Pope Francis was coming to the United States going to land in Washington then go to New York and then in 2015 he was coming to the city of Philadelphia where I lived in the suburbs and this quote was bouncing around in my head we are the other of the others and here comes Pope Francis to my part of the world at the same time There was a tract of ground in suburban Philadelphia that was owned by the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And because, unfortunately, uh, the Catholic Church is often land rich and cash poor, the Archbishop of Philadelphia at that time was going to sell this land. Well, the land had been untouched and was pristine land for a long time, hundreds of years, untouched. Well, the township and the various people in the area said, we don't want that to happen. So as I'm watching this play out, and the township concerned about this and people thinking this is going to bring more traffic, I'm thinking about we are the other of the others. And then it occurred to me, I wonder if there's something inside that tract of ground that could be important. And I wonder if there are some other of the others some kind of characters that we haven't experienced yet. So I put together in my head seven different fantastical characters who are unhappy about the loss of this land because smack dab in the center of this land is something very, very important, and they don't want it to be tampered with. So they're unhappy with the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and the Catholic Church, and lo and behold, who's coming but Pope Francis? So, my intent in the story, as I was beginning to think about it, was, is it possible, in the largest national security event in the United States history, to kidnap the most well-known man in the entire world? And that's essentially what this story's about. It's called, the genre is urban fantasy, and it is about these individuals hiding in plain sight who attempt to kidnap Pope Francis okay
0: now first of all i have to describe jim comey jim is a reasonable guy he's normal in every sense but obviously his mind is warped right (laughs) i see very much so 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 what what fascinates me about this and i'm i'm sure this is an interesting plot as it develops but how the heck does somebody come up with something like this
1: Well, what's fascinating about this is once you've got the idea in your head and things start to spin around a little bit, you start to wonder about who these characters are. And as I thought about this land and I thought about this area of Philadelphia, Philadelphia is the city of Brotherly love, And fortunately, to write a book these days, we are blessed with the internet and the internet allows you to do research. So I started backtracking. How old was this property that has been sitting here untouched and who was around 100 years ago, 200 years ago that might be significant? Which brought me back to William Penn and the treaty that he signed with the Lenai lenape Indians. So I researched that extensively, came forward 100 years, discovered a fellow named John Newman who ended up becoming Saint John Newman, who's a a saint and whose place of worship well maybe that's the wrong word his, his body is encased in a glass coffin in the city of philadelphia and i visited him frequently to say hello so all these different pieces are coming together and history started to be blended in but i also got fascinated about the pope where's he gone what's he doing and then who is this guy what's he all about so all these personalities and all these people including the individual who was the chief of the Lenape Lenape Indian started to come to life in my head. And then I started to follow them. Okay, now,
0: uh, during our pre-interview, you were giving me some insight into the way writers think, and you were telling me that, that there are two different kinds of writers out there.
1: There are indeed. Okay, fill us in. Okay. Generally speaking, and I think that most writers who have been involved in any kind of fiction writing would probably agree with this. There are two essential types of writers when it comes to plot. One group of writers are called the plotters. So that seems pretty obvious. Well, who are the plotters? The plotters are people that have a story that's in their head and they're very organized. And frequently they go, they think to the end of the story. How is this story going to end? And then work their way forward. They probably have charts and graphs. They probably have all kinds of arrows and things drawn over all over the place. But there's another group of writers called the pantsers. And they're called the pantsers because they fly by the seat of their pants. I happen to be a very proud pantser because when I write stories, and this is my third full novel, I also have a, a novella written exactly the same way. I have an opening scene I have characters that are in my head and i have no clue beyond the opening scene exactly how it's going to turn out or how it's going to end however in the case with pope francis what allowed me to do the structure that was in there is i knew his itinerary i knew he was coming to dc i knew he was coming to new york i knew he was coming to philadelphia so i had that structure But I had these seven fantastical characters in this urban fantasy and I had no clue how they were going to pull this off. And if you're curious who might be well-known pantsers and plotters, some pantsers are Neil Gaiman, Stephen King, who's very proud of being a pantser, Margaret Atwood, Mark Twain, Lee Child, and Dean Kuntz, and a plotter, JK, J.K. Rowling, John Grissom, and James Patterson. John Grisham, you would understand because of the nature of the books that he writes. These are very organized, structured plotters. I am not. Okay, so
0: you start with your characters. You've got a rough idea of the plot, where it's going. You've got a little bit of a storyline. And then you're going to start with the characters, and they kind of take over and dictate what happens. So you just start writing? and
1: Yes. And, and what tends to happen is as, as you're following your nose— and these characters become more and more real, they start in some ways, if they're very fully developed in your head, uh, to tell you what's going to happen next. And in my case, when it comes time for dialogue, although this may sound rather odd, I frequently have very little to do with the dialogue. I become a transcriptionist. I am simply typing down what it is that they're saying. And as I mentioned to Ray uh, a little before we came on the air, One character that's in this story is a very strong-willed female who has a very strong language. This is an adult book. And at one point, I thought, well, this language, maybe it's a little bit too strong. And I went in and I started to tone it down. And she gave me royal heck about doing that. And I had to go back early the next morning and change it back because she was not, was not going to hear of it at all. Now, is that a little bit of schizophrenia? I believe so. Uh, and I think that most real good fic- fiction writers will tell you that they are probably in a slightly different place when they are writing fiction. So your characters
0: become real. Absolutely. And, real. and, and they're real before they they react. And, and then uh, once you understand this character, this character kind of dominates your book and, and the, the characters do. Uh,
1: and if the character is not real in my head and they're not going anywhere, then they're gone. If they're not fully fleshed out and they're stick character's walking around, it's not working. Now, again, um, I'm the kind, well, let me point out one other piece about writing because we had talked about this a little bit earlier. There are also writers that as they write, and this comes from Kurt Vonnegut, who I met back in the 80s in a loft at a a benefit, but that's time for another, we can discuss that in some other podcast. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut said there are two kinds of writers. There are bashers and there are swoopers. And he said, bashers go from one sentence, uh, they complete one sentence at a time, they get exactly right the way they want it to be, and then they move on. Dean Kuntz is one of those, and I'm one of those. And swoopers are people that say, get a whole lot done and then rewrite it. And Ray Bradbury, who was a mentor of mine for a while, wrote back a number of years to me, uh, a number of years ago and said, throw up every morning, clean up every afternoon. So Ray would just let words fly out of his pen or in his case his manual typewriter uh, and then clean up in my case i'm writing slowly and i'm writing purposefully and again the characters are three-dimensional fully fleshed out now i also have to point out without revealing too much of the wicked claw that the characters are fantastical so to give a hint they are more than human i won't go much beyond that other than to say they have um, there's a word that is not often used, called "preternatural," but these are preternatural creatures or characters, and they're they're rather amazing individuals. Okay, I'm I'm fascinated by the way you do this
0: because I can I can just. Uh, knowing a little bit about you, I can just see these characters running through your head, you know, and all of a sudden uh, dictating where you're going. How long did it take before you really had an idea of where the plot was going to
1: end? I did not know the ending until I was probably 80% through the story. I was not exactly sure how it was going to end. And as odd as that sounds, the structure as I was... Bringing this story to life was forming itself. Now, I also have to tell you that one of the things that I collect and is very valuable to me are quotations. I have loads and loads of quotations that I that I have found. For example, we are the other of the others. And as I'm writing, I am also looking at a wide range of quotations. Uh, one of the things that I do before I even start writing, although it's been hard since COVID came up, is I used to walk through... Uh, physical libraries, real true blue libraries with books and just walk around and look at all the titles that were on the, the shelves. I call that mulching my head. I'm just feeding words into my head. So chances are this these things have been mulching for a while before they found their way out. So those of us who
0: think we can guess the end of the book early in the game, forget it, because even if you think you guess and even if you guess it right, you're wrong because it wasn't there then.
1: Uh, yes. Although I will say that there are stories that I've written that I realize at the very beginning, there was foreshadowing that I didn't even know about that showed up at the end. So, um, I got to tell you that it's a lot of fun, uh, in the sense that each day that I sat down to write this, I would say to my wife, I wonder what the heck's going to happen today. And then as it ended that day, I would tell her, you'll never guess this happened, and so-and-so showed up. And she would smile. Okay, so here's the here's the deal to our
0: listeners over here. First of all, read the book. Give us the name of the book again. It's called The Wicked
1: Claw. The Wicked Claw, available
0: at Amazon,
1: uh, right? Amazon, Barnes & Noble. If you type into Google or anywhere else, James, important word, uh, word there is Hugh, H-U-G-H Comey. It will show up, and and the
0: other thing is that sometime, if you ever get the chance, you got to meet this Jim Comey, because he obviously is a character that creates characters. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. <laughs> you're welcome. So let's switch gears. We got a little bit of time left over here. Uh, you know, it's one thing to write the book, and you know that's an event. Now, now you're done, or you're almost done.
1: How the heck do you get stuff published in the world today? A number of years ago, when I first started writing, I had three agents and a variety of books. And each agent, one was from New York, one was Philadelphia, one was from Florida. And each of the agents tried to sell the books and they worked really hard and they don't get paid anything unless they sell a book. And as much as they tried, they were not successful. One came very close uh, and the agent called me and said, we're really good, Fawcett Crest is going to buy this. I said, when the ink is dry on the contract, I will be happy. And the, a top editor said, no, thank you very much to that one. What has happened today in 2024 is the publishing world has changed. You, It is almost impossible, virtually impossible, to contact any major publisher yourself. And it's just as difficult these days to... Uh, get through to agents. Agents have now become the kind of early pre-editor type people that used to be at publishing houses, and they are inundated with an enormous amount of queries. They get hundreds and hundreds every day, 365 days a year, uh, by email with all these queries. So it is very hard. There's a, a, another way that you can be published is by contacting small independent publishers. Um, The challenge with small independent publishers are oftentimes there's not a whole lot of financial backing. Frequently, it's a labor of love. It's sometimes a very small organization. And the warning that I would give or a caution I would give about small publishers is if you sign with a small publisher, they own the rights to your book for a contracted, agreed-upon period of time, which means if they're not doing anything for your book, your book's sort of stuck in limbo, and then it's hard to get it back. Another way that you can attempt to get a book in print, if you've written what you consider to be a good book and you've done some editing and you think it's really worthwhile, and again, I'm talking about fiction, although it can be nonfiction, is you can pay a publisher. Well, I mean, no, that's the wrong word. You can pay a printer. And you can contact a local printer and they will, for anywhere probably from eight to $50,000, print, print you a bunch of beautiful books that you can have stacked in your garage or your attic and then try and sell them out of the, the back of your car. Actually, at Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, which was back in the 80s, a fella did exactly that, and that was a success story. That what also exists these days are hybrid publishers, and hybrid publishers say, you will pay a big chunk, and we will pay a chunk, and we will attempt to get this book out and get somewhere. The caution I would give with that is be very careful who you're contacting because they may not be as upfront or as honest as you want them to be. And a final way that you can do this is what I have done for the last three books. And that is, you can go through Kindle at Amazon or you can go through a group called draft to digital And these individuals, these organizations allow you to download your manuscript. You're gonna need a cover. I use a, a cover from people in Canada, they do great work. And once you download it through there, it is then out there in the world together with a zillion other books that have sent out that way as ebooks. So the challenge then, once you have a book out there, is how to be seen and how to be noticed. One way you can do it is by having nice people like Ray Lowe who allows me to talk on this podcast. Uh, but but the other way is um, Trying word of mouth. A lot of things are being done these days on uh, Instagram and TikTok. I'm not really that familiar with them. I can tell you because I mentioned this to Ray earlier. The hottest ticket out there right now and uh, th- through eBooks is romance stuff. I'm not a romance writer, nor do I attempt to be, uh, but romance is really hot right now.
0: Okay. All right. So thanks to Jim Comey for being our guest today, and and. I've learned a lot. You know, first of all, I learned you got to be crazy to write books, kind pretty, of. Pretty much, especially okay. fiction. But, but if you have this this mind, I'm not going to say strange mind, but that's kind of what it is in a way, that can create characters or create a plot. You've got a couple different ways that you can work, and you come up with a book that you're happy with, and then that's the beginning,
1: because then you got to figure out how to get it to market. The, the creative aspect part of writing is is a joy the business end of writing uh is not
0: a joy (laughs) great so uh do you have any comments that you want to make uh before we wrap
1: up just that uh, i appreciate anybody who uh takes a look at the wicked claw i have two others that are out there Uh, one's called uncommon glory uh this one has gotten a lot of attention i'm pleased to say that is magical realism and a coming of age story And there's one called The Wild World, set 374 years in the future in Pennsylvania. And that's just as crazy as The Wicked Claw.
0: And we'll list all Jim's books in our notes so you can hear it, but the the best thing to do is James Hugh Comey, C-O-M-E-Y, and then that brings them all up when you do the search. Is yep. that right? Yep. Cool. Yep. Well, thanks for being with us, Jim. And it's a pleasure to know you and be associated with you. And you, uh, you, you keep my mind going. I, I'm, I'm in awe of people have the ability to do this kind of stuff. And uh, congratulations on your new book. Thanks, I appreciate it. All right, Ellen, who is our engineer today. Ellen, would you sign us off? Thank you for listening to Changing the Rules. Join us next week for more conversation, our special guest, and to hear more from the luckiest guy in the world. it's going to have to be a different man.